Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Dave, let's talk about interviewing people so we can get the right people that we need for our jobs. And is there something you want to tell me? I'm afraid I may have mishired. This started as my podcast, though. How could you have mishired? Oh, crap. That's right. (laughs) These are my toys. And you, you go and home. I want to talk about interviewing, Ann. <laughs> I want to make sure I get the right person. Oh, boy. <laughs> and next week on Disarming Persuasion Podcast, Dave will have a new co-host. <laughs> no, wouldn't trade you for the world. You know, I love you like a sister. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Because actually, that's one of the most challenging persuasion areas in business. And um for for the sales professionals out there don't turn this off one you may end up looking for another sales job someday and and i promise you you'll get some inside skinny on some hiring tactics used um two you may end up a sales manager and want to know some of these tactics from the other perspective okay so stand by stay tuned but wait there's more so (laughs) Let's start with the challenge of interviewing, okay? What, what's the 900-pound gorilla in the room, which is simply that people are on their best behaviors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and this is one of the things that I talk about in interviewing trainings that I have led is you want to try to get people talking because when they start talking, when you ask those open-ended questions, you start getting them off script, right? There's, you know, it's so easy to go into an interview and ask the typical questions and you're going to get those best behavior answers. But if you've prepared questions beforehand that are open-ended and that you've prepared some follow-up questions and some probing questions that ask them to elaborate in their own words and get them talking, get them comfortable, you're going to get them a little off script and you're going to get more of the real picture because they weren't quite expecting to talk about that. But if you've done your job in creating rapport, you're going to get a little bit more of a better picture. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best books I've read, the book is not on interviewing, but there is a section on interviewing. And it's it's uh, The Ultimate Sales Machine, Chet Holmes. And he talks about interviewing for salespeople specifically. But I have used his exact technique for any position because I love the way he goes through it. And it starts off doing exactly what you said, which is getting people to relax and be comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do you do that quickly in an interview? Well, the, I mean, just like you do anything else, right? You get them talking to themselves. Now what, and, and again, uh, so I don't have to give a disclaimer every time. Uh, I'll let you know when I'm not talking about a Chet Holmes technique. So in the absence of that, this is coming from Chet Holmes. Okay, so there's my blanket disclosure. <laughs> Thank um, you, Chet. Yeah, who he passed away, so he's no longer with us. But uh, the book is still valid, and it's it's on my must read business book list. Hmm. So, um, you know, what, what he tells, what he recommends you do um, is you you get people talking about themselves, about their hobbies first. So, like the, when our first thing to do so is uh, and. 
there's a lot going on with this next question. But the first question I ask, and I'm assuming I'm interviewing you, is, Ann, tell me about yourself. Now, what most people will do is start reviewing their resume. Oh, well, you know, I was the president of this company, and then we sold that, and I did this, and I did this, and then here, here, here. As soon as you hear that, stop, 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 stop. We're going to get to your resume. And I want to know who you are. What do you do for fun? Once they start talking about what they do for fun, then just like any other conversation, you did, to your point a minute ago, we dig in. How do you get started doing that? What do you enjoy about doing that? What are your biggest challenges, right? What I am looking for is from them to get from the edge of their seat, right? That leaning forward. I know folks, we're, we're doing this audio. They're sitting on the edge of their seat. Their back is erect. They've got that good spinal position, right? Chest out, that power position. They're that position of tension. I'm ready. That sports athlete. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready position, right? And I want to see them sit back in their seat, relax and slump. Mm -hmm. And until I see that, I'm not ready to get into the real interview. Well, and this is why, if at all possible, I will go out and pick the person up at reception when I'm interviewing them. So we've kind of got that walk to wherever I'm doing the interview where they don't feel like we're officially into the interview yet. And so they're a little bit more comfortable with me. Like in you, my opener, if it's Monday or Tuesday, I'll say, hey, did you do anything fun last weekend? Or if it's Thursday or Friday, I'll say, are you doing anything fun this weekend? Benign question, but it gets into some of their personal life and their and their interests during that walk when we really probably wouldn't get into interview questions anyway. But then we have an excuse to finish that conversation when we get to the office, which again, hopefully gets them to the slump. Yeah, Absolutely. The other reason I love that opening question, you know, tell me about yourself, by the way, is a lot of times they'll tell you things that you're never allowed to ask in an interview. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Just because you aren't allowed to ask it doesn't mean you can't listen to it if they volunteer. That's exactly right. And, and most people don't know where that boundary is. So let them cross it, you know. <laughs> You'll learn a whole lot. And that's why I love open-ended questions. And the other thing that I love is... Like, tell me, tell me about a time that you, you know, tell me about a time. And if they say, oh, I would do this. Tell me about a time that you dealt with a difficult customer. And if they say, oh, yeah, I would do this and this and this. No, no, no. Tell me about a time you actually had to do it. Like, take a minute and think about it and tell me about a time. That way you can really see what are they complaining about? What did they find difficult? What did, and then you can probe with what do you think went well? What would you do differently next time? What did you learn from that? And you can start to get an idea of their thought process and a little bit deeper into what they've done in the past and how they think about it. Absolutely. Now, there's one other thing um, that I got from Chet that I use before I even get into the what I consider the meat of the interview, right? And I love this technique, and I think you'll probably use it if you ever interview again after I, I give this to you. Um, and he says, he tells people on the phone when he's setting up the interview, he says, I want you to bring three questions with you that you want me to ask you. And, and the way I want you to think about this is pretend you're having a conversation with your closest friend and you said, hey, I hope they ask me blank, blank, and blank these three questions because I'm going to just kill it. These are questions I'm just going to knock it out of the park. And I tell them that. And then, of course, when they come to the interview, I said, you bring the questions. They almost never do, mm -hmm. which, by the way, is a strike. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag. It's a red flag. But I still, even if they didn't, I'll, I'll say, okay, take a minute. Hopefully they have pad and paper to write down notes with. 
another red flag if they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I said, and then I go through that explanation. I take a few minutes, write down those three questions, and hint, I'm going to ask you those questions. And I do that. I don't really care what the response is. I want them starting to brag about themselves. That's going to get them to loosen up. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I want them bragging. I want them, you know. And frankly, it also becomes an evaluation of their creativeness because some of the questions are really, I get, are like really inane. Like, you know, what do you think about customer service? Right, right. Which is another data point that that's useful. Right. Well, and and asking, I love that preparation. And, And a lot of people will ask, should I give them a test, you know, like a skills test or whatever. And it totally depends on the job. But I think that's kind of the same thing as giving a skills test in that you're looking for a specific, um, skills, the wrong word, but a specific, whether it's attention to detail or creativity or innovation or courage or the ability to understand their strengths and self-awareness, you know, you're, you're setting it up. So you're being able to evaluate these things in a, you know, in a very creative way. Yeah. I, and I actually start that test long before they come in for an interview. Cause I always start with a phone interview mm-hmm. and, and the phone interview is real simple, right? The, the, well, well actually, the test actually starts before that. I'm a big believer in not in saying in my ad, do not send a resume. Send one or two paragraphs about why you should be why you're the right person for this job. And test anyone, number one, they send you an interview. Thank you. Delete. Wait, yeah, everyone who gets a re- re- resume gets circular filed. Yeah. You know, or, you know, recycle bin. I guess we don't have circle files anymore. Um, Right, but they, they get trash canned right away. Boom, gone. Right, which which is nice. It's thank yeah. you. Exactly. They're weeding themselves out because you're like, okay, you're not reading what I've asked you to do. If you right. can't follow directions before I even hire you, <laughs> right? You if, more when I actually give you the job. If, if they're sending me a detailed cover letter, this is one of my favorite. They send a detailed cover letter that says I am great at attention to detail, and there's misspellings and typos, or they have the wrong company name, and I have seen all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's just wonderful. It's like, thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then, then I start with a phone interview and this, this now I'm testing for ego. I want to know, are they going to be able to stand up? So I'll say something like, Anne, I'm, I'm looking for a, what, what job are we interviewing for? I'm looking for a po- podcast co-host and I'm only looking for superstars. And so I'm looking for somebody who is really knowledgeable about persuasion and is a superstar. Why should I invite you in for an interview? Because I'm a superstar and I'm really good at interviewing on podcasts. And I don't care what you say. My response (laughs) is always going to be the same, which is going to be, "Eh, I'm not really hearing superstar. Wow. You could come back at me. I'm glad we didn't interview. (laughs) Yeah, but that's always my response. And the reason is I want to see some pushback. All right. So when when um, uh, Chad Holmes talks about it in his book, he's talking about salespeople, and he he talks about salespeople. Goes, what? You must be deaf, you know, <laughs> right? Because he's looking for a really strong ego. So I'm not. I don't, I'm not looking for that. I just want somebody who has enough. I've had people who go, oh, okay. I guess you know what you're talking about. Wah, wah, wah. But I need somebody who's going to, if they have an idea, they believe in stand up and tell me that they've got an idea they believe in. And if they're not going to tell me that they believe in themselves, they sure as heck aren't going to believe in any ideas they come up with. 
Yeah. Well, and this is a really important piece of before the interview even starts, understanding what characteristics do you need for that job? Not just what qualifications. I can teach qualifications. I can send you to a certification. I can attention to detail, communication skills, you know, courage. All these things are harder to teach. And so really having an understanding what's going to be a culture fit. What's going to be a fit with the people with me as their boss, with the people that they have to work with, with our clientele? And what characteristics do I need? In your case, you needed people who, from a sales perspective, this makes perfect sense, who are willing to deal with resistance. You know, depending on what other job you have, you need to know what qualifications and what characteristics do I need to get the right person. And frankly, for me, all my clients who I coach, every job needs some degree of that in my world. Okay, you may disagree, and that's fine, right? Yeah, no, sure. we, we run two different companies, etc. But everybody needs some degree of that, because I want every single member of my team to be able to come up with an idea and present that idea and believe in their idea. And if they can't do that, if if somebody else in the team goes, that's stupid, because I hired wrong, because we all make mistakes, right? Not everybody is going to be a great fit and may take me a little while to call the herd, right? And if somebody else goes, that's stupid. And they go, okay. And it's the it's the bazillion dollar idea. Great, you know. So I want somebody at least has the, the strength to go, no, listen to me. You're not getting it, right? right. Just stand up. Let me explain them. it a little differently. Right. Right, right. Yeah. That's my criteria. I recommend it highly, but I accept the fact that not everybody's going to agree with me on that. Right. Well, and I think it's also a matter not only of knowing the job and what you need in the job and what you need for your team, but also who you are going to be attracted to, right? So understanding yourself well enough. Like for me, I love somebody who's outgoing, who can laugh easily, who's fun. But that's not from a personality standpoint, always what I need on the job. You know, if I hire a goofball, silly person as my accountant, I may end up in jail. And so it's really understanding what balance of personality styles are we going to need And are they going to be able to work together well? And who do I need to make sure I'm watching out? Because I really like this person doesn't mean they're great for the role. So really understanding yourself and what you may be erroneously going towards. Yeah. And and that's I love job benchmarking for that and assessments because you can benchmark any position, right? You get the stakeholders involved. You say, okay, what are the key competencies we need? What are the key accountabilities? Why does this job exist? And then you create a model, uh, a, a psychological model through the assessment of what the perfect candidate looks like. And then you use mm-hmm. that to, to give assessments to people to measure them against that, which will tell you either A, they're completely wrong, Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's just more of a, and more times than not, it's like these are the best fit. They're not perfect. And here's where they're going to be weak. And either I can live with that or mitigate it somehow, right? It's not that important or it's really important and they're great every other place, but this is so critical. I can't hire them here. Whatever that might be, it gives you an objective tool. Love it. And another tool that you alluded to was involving other people in the interview because they're going to see different things. They're going to see different things that you wouldn't see. Um, And so everybody brings there and again, giving some criteria for what we're looking for, you know, and setting that expectation to the other people that are involved in the interviewing process is, is super important and can get you some really important data you might miss. Yeah. Now, to me, the most important criteria, and I'm really curious how you react to this, the most important, the number one thing I look for 
And this is the this this is a must have in all cases. Shoes and bag match. I totally agree. Wow, you know me so well. <laughs> or <laughs> or their values match mine and the company's. And I say mine as assuming I'm the owner of the company because the company owner's values, personal values are the company's values. I don't care what it says on the um, web page. Yeah. So why why is that so give me an example of that. Well, let me start with why that's important and then, you know, the examples will be easy. It's important because everybody makes decisions based on their personal values. Period said done. Okay? Mm -hmm. So if let's say for example that I value family and I think family is the most important thing. And so as a business owner, I'm like, listen, guys, unless there's some major reason not to, and somebody's looking for time off because they want to go to their kids play or they want to do the right. The answer is yes. Okay. Now I hire a manager and a, a, a hiring manager, somebody who's going to hire other people who's responsible for other people who has that sort of authority. And to them, that's not that important. Family's not that important. Um, let's just say, uh, more important to them is uh, is meeting goals is a higher value mm -hmm. and they're pushing to a goal and one of their key people who has kids in high school or doing a sports thing and say listen I need off on Friday for you know the softball tournament whatever it is right and that person says no you can't do that we've we've got to get this thing done right well that's I may lose a good employee because somebody doesn't share my values. They're making decisions mm -hmm. that are different than I would make, right? Or I would at the very least want that person to go, let me see how I can accommodate that. Maybe the answer does become no, because there aren't going to be times when it happens, but at least go to extra mile instead of saying, nope, you, you know, you're, you're a slave to me and work. When I need mm -hmm. you, you're going to be here, right? Not saying that's a bad decision. It's just a bad decision for me. Right. And it's, it's all about going back to understanding what it is we need as a, in this role, what do I need on this team? And what does this company need to be successful? I work with a, an accounting firm in New York City. And during busy season, it is 24-7 hardcore go, go, go. And everybody knows that's part of the job. And they, you know, they talk about busy season and quote unquote, not as busy season. And um, it's it's one of the expectations and the values that they set up. You know, when it's not busy season, we're going to have time off. We're going to have, but here's what we expect from you. Right. From, ja from January to April 15th. Exactly. Right. Because, and that's the life of a tax accountant. And if you don't like it, maybe you find another area of accounting. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. Like I said, I'm not saying my way is right for everybody or yep. my values. My values are my values and their values are theirs. And neither is better. But if right. you hire people who don't share them, you got a problem. A hundred percent because you know, you are going to live and make all your decisions, like you said, based on those values. And if you find somebody who has values that are different, it's just not a good fit. Right. And that's what we're trying to do is find the best fit. So how do you determine what a candidate's values are? Because let's be honest, if, if, if you're interviewing me and you say, listen, um, you know, we value our customers and make our clients <laughs> and making sure that they get they get their taxes done on time, right? The first time accurately, which means we, we put in long hours. Do you agree with that? What am I going to say? I want the job. I completely agree. I will work long hours as much as is needed 24 seven to get the job done. Thanks for interviewing me, Mr. Dave. Right. Yeah, you're going to get the answer that they know you want to hear. That's called a leading question. And that's why it's really important to 
think about your questions beforehand, how you're asking them. And, you know, maybe the question instead would be, what do you think is the most important, you know, factor in how we do business? It's wide open. I didn't give you any hint about anything. If you've done some research, maybe you have an idea of our values. But if it's not fresh in their mind, they're going to go with what they know. Yeah. And that's one way. And that's a good way. What I like for value specifically are scenario based questions. Mm -hmm. where, that was the other thing I was going to say. Yeah, yeah I, I knew you were. Um, I know, right? I was totally going to say that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> right. But where, where the answer isn't obvious, you know, so. Let me ask you, Anne. It's um, it's 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 March thirtieth, and we've got a backlog of clients' work we have to get done to get the personal tax returns completed, and your oldest is in a national championship, and you need to take off on a Friday and Monday in order to accompany them. What are you going to do? Well, and, and that, again, that's a one of those things where there's multiple right answers. And when somebody's value in family is really strong, they're going to have a really clear answer. Um, I would argue that that's very specific to two very specific values. But at the same time, that may be exactly what you're looking for. So the question may be perfect. Right. And so that's my point is in a technique I use is for each company value, you mm -hmm. come up with questions like that where there's no right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. There's just their answer and their right. answer is going to reflect their values. And, you know, if you, if you come up with more than one for each value, then you can test it a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. And and again, the wording of that question is super important because it would be easy to lead them to ditch the kid. We need you to stay here, you know. And, and so the way you worded it was beautiful. And it's making sure that both answers seem right. Right. And so how do I start to think through this? And again, more probing questions could come in. What made you decide on that? You know, what is it? What do you, you know, all the all the things you can ask to continue yeah. to understand their thinking. And that's a really important um, point there. These are these questions are starting points and we need to be open to probing deeper right. and get get with your HR department laws in different states. Right. are going to vary. And we're neither Ann nor I are experts in law in any state. We don't even play lawyers on TV. Mm -mm. Um, so make sure you get with your HR department because I'd hate for you to get in hot water because you, you do things differently. In general, you should be interviewing everybody the same way. Mm -hmm. And that's another big piece because, you know, if you're, you're going loosey goosey with the way you're interviewing, you're once you get everybody interviewed and you've got the five resumes on the table of people you've already interviewed, if you're comparing apples to oranges to grapes to watermelons, there's no way to kind of judge one against the other because you went all rogue and did the interviews all different. Whereas if you've asked the same questions and understood the same thinking, on these questions that you formulated really carefully, now you can compare apples to apples. Yeah, and, and understand, and Anne alluded to this earlier, not only will different people pick up on different things, mm -hmm. you're going to react on, to people on a personal level, right? Ultimately, we make all our decisions emotionally. You're going to say, I really like this person, even though their answers weren't the best. And you're going to start justifying their answers. Right. One of your team members is going to look at you and call you out on that. And that's what you need. Good. Yes, exactly. 100%. Yeah. 
Do you have any, like a couple other things, these are, should be obvious, but you know, if, if you're going to interview or you're interviewing people, I'm totally intolerant of people who are late. You know? Oh yeah. No, if you can't show up on time to an interview, I'm done with you. Yeah. And that means to me, I mean, if somebody's walking in, like as the clock is ticking, the interviews at nine o'clock and he goes and they walk in the door, I'll let them interview with me, but that's, that's that's a red flag. That's a yellow flag at the least. Right. right. No, I agree. And and because this says, and and this is my belief on time, but the, again, this is one of my values. Time is very important. I it's really important to my clients that I am there on time, that I hit the deadlines, and that's really important for my team to have as well. So if you can't get here for an interview where you're trying to make me like you, you can't get here on time. We're good. Yeah. And I have turned people away. I, yeah, I will always show up 10 minutes early. Hey, I know I'm early, but I'm here for an interview at nine. I'll just hang out. Let me know when you're ready for me. Right. And I don't think 10 minutes early is early. Like I wouldn't show up. That's 30 on time. Minutes. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't show up 30 minutes early. Well, let me rephrase that because I've been known. I, I've done this back in the days. I'll be maybe in a parking lot 30 minutes early. Right. Right. Nervously reading my book, looking every three seconds to my watch. Right. <laughs> So yeah. I can walk in the door 10 minutes early. I think 15 is too early to walk in the door. I think 10 to five is that proper range, Perfect. right? Um, and, and that's how I do it. Yeah, uh, I, I also, for those of you again, who are may not be on the asking question side, but on the interview side, I've driven ahead of time. I'll pre-drive, make sure I know exactly where the know building where it is, where to yep. park, right? So all those variables are minimized. Well, and, and people say, well, that's not very empathetic. Their kid might be sick. There may be other factors. But the fact is, if I am going to be late for an interview, I'm going to call as soon as I know I'm going to be late because I don't know I'm going to be late at nine o'clock when the interview is. I probably know 15 or 20 minutes beforehand. I'm going to call them up and say, I am so sorry. This is completely unexpected. Here's what's happening. I'm coming. I'm getting there as quickly as I can, but I'm probably going to be about 10 minutes late. They may still choose not to interview me, but if somebody calls me and said that about an interview, I would say, okay, cool. I get it. See you at 910. Right. And, and, and I totally agree with you. I would do, if somebody called, I would give them that grace period. It's, yeah. it's a yellow flag. Sure. But it's not a red flag. Right. And they're choosing to communicate, which is a huge green flag for me. Right. Right. But the, so it's, you know, the, the, it's, it's not a strike, right? It's a, it's a yellow flag. It's a yellow flag. That's exactly, it's, that's exactly right. Um, and yeah, and I've had I've had people walk in and, 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 you know, three minutes late and I've just looked at them and said, your, your interview was three minutes ago. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in, in continuing on. And, you know, I let them know it was because they're late because they need the feedback. I'm not doing my part as a human being. Otherwise, I'm not mean. I'm just kind of right. thankful that I freed up my time. Anything cool. else you anything else you look for? No, I, th I think those are the big things. Well, I, I mean, obviously grooming well, so yeah, depending on the job, appropriate dress, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not a suit and tie anymore. Although I will tell you, I don't care what job you're interviewing for. And I literally don't care what job you're interviewing for. A suit and tie, if you're a guy is never inappropriate. Okay. For any job, you could be interviewing as a janitor or, or a service plumber or, you know, some messy job. If you walk in in a sports coat and tie or suit and tie, it will never be out of place. And, because what it says is, I care. Right. I want, I want to show up for this. Right. 
And if you don't, and it's a, if, if it's, it's, you know, here in California, at least for, you know, most jobs, business casual is, mm -hmm. and, and that's fine too. I, I'm not going to gig somebody for that. You know, it's appropriate to ask as well. Um, you know, what is, what is the appropriate dress for this? And they might say jeans is fine. And then I'm going to step it up one and just dress a little nicer than the standard that they've told me. Yeah. I, it's funny. I did have once what. So actually, let me ask you first. Worst interview you've ever been on as an interviewee. There was a group interview where all four of us who were being considered for the role were interviewed at exactly the same time in front of each other with a panel of about eight people, only two of whom were doing the interviewing. It was the most uncomfortable situation. Uh, you know, and I mean, you're sitting there with your competition and we're all answering the same questions. And had it been like a super high stress job where we really needed to show up that way, but it wasn't. And I think it was a time-saving tactic on their part, but it was the most uncomfortable thing. And I said, I don't want to work in a place where they treat people like this. Like, I'm not good with that. That's interesting. I, I went through one of those as a first round, and then then there was one-on-one -on -one second rounds, which I did make, uh, didn't make the ultimate cut. Um, but that didn't bother me nearly as much um, because the questions they were asking were ones that, frankly, I look good at, you know. Yeah, these questions weren't great either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are, you know, what, what have you done special sort of thing or when you have, you know, and, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I got first degree black belt and I flew fighters for the Navy and all those cool things that, you know, I'm like, you know, no, nobody here is going to have. Yeah, exactly. You know, buff my nails. The worst one I was on actually I didn't actually have the interview. I walked out before the interview. It was for a sales job for a, um, a, a, a home, not remodeling, but a home improvement company, you know, windows, doors, that sort of thing, energy saving stuff. Mm -hmm. And... I got there, like we said, 10 minutes early, I not receptionist, and I could tell, I think she went into the office, like I was sitting on a chair on a wall, and like the office door right next to me, she went into that office, and, and the guy's on the phone, you know, and the, the time comes, and it goes, and like five minutes pass, and 10 minutes pass, and I'm like, what the heck, I'm here on time, and then I realized what was going on, which is he wanted me to have the um, strength to stand up and say, hey, I'm here for my interview. When are we going to talk? Because they wanted high-pressure high salespeople. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Mm. And so I just got up and said, I'm not interested in anybody who's not going to be on time for my interview. I'm not interested in working for them. And I walked out. Ooh. Well, and this is a really interesting thing for interviewers to understand too, is just like dating, interviewing is an opportunity for me to find out whether I want to hire you, but it's also an opportunity for them to figure out whether they want to work for me. Yeah. And so thinking about what are people seeing? What are we communicating? And this goes right back to everything we talk about being a role model as a leader is what am I showing them about me, about my leadership, my company, our culture in the interview process? And so that's a really in important and giving them the opportunity to say, hey, what do you value? What do you want from a job? What's going to make you really want this job? Yeah. If I was wrong, then I really didn't want to work for them because they were just disrespectful of my time. But irrespective, they were being disrespectful to me in well, my and, time. And just like the the person who you know needed to show up late for the interview, they could have come out and say, hey, Dave, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to put out this fire over here. It's probably going to be about 15 minutes, but I appreciate you waiting. We'll get to your interview as fast as we can. Boom. Now I'll wait a half an hour. Right. Happily. That's exactly right. But, but there was crickets for 15 minutes. I was done. Yeah. I hear it. All right. Well, I think we covered some really good information. I think we beat that dead horse good. So, all right. 
folks, tell us about your worst interview. Let us know in the comments. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.